I am Hunter Danson. And I am Eric Lintola. And uh, welcome back to We Can Change It If We Want. Uh, we did change it. What? We, what, did, uh, what did you say? We changed, we changed it already. It's, it's raise a glass now. Oh, like, like to freedom? Well, not exactly. Oh, so it's a drinking podcast. Right, talk about beer and well, well, not not exactly. Just at the beginning. I mean, it doesn't have to be beer, but it's uh, you know, whatever we're, whatever we're talking about, we're raising a glass, or depending on what we're talking about, we're we're pouring one out. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. So so like, can you give me an example? Like, uh, if we were talking about the Aragon movie. I would be pouring one out for Christopher Paolini. Ooh. Yeah. Like the author? Yeah, the author of Aragon. Oh, see, I would raise one raise a glass to him. I mean he was eighteen when he wrote it, but I'd definitely pour one out for that movie. That was that was rough yeah. stuff. Yeah, well I'd I'd pour one out for him because of the movie. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> raise a glass. Okay. I like it. Let's go with that. Yeah. So I, I have a I have a glass here. Um it's a left hand brewing uh milk stout. Nitro milk Ooh. stout. Nice, nice. Oh wow, and you're even drinking it with the pinky rays. I like it. And while you drink your your beer left handed, uh I today um I'm using a Genesee brew house cup, um, but it's because I broke in one of my moves, my uh, Guinness glass, and ah. in honor of the British heritage of the person we will be raising a glass to, or maybe pouring one out for, uh, today, um, I'm drinking a Guinness. I know he's not Irish, but I know Ireland's not in the UK, but it's still, <laughs> it's well drunk within the British, uh, the islands. And so, that's what I got. All right. And I'm wearing my uh, Guinness shirt, so. Yes. Uh, lovely day for Guinness. Yeah. When is it? Is there ever not a lovely day for a Guinness? That's a good question. I, uh, I've yet to meet one, uh, one of those days, but especially on one of these uh, rainy type nights, it's. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, we mentioned on the last one, we thinking about doing Tolkien and since the rings of power are out now uh, it seemed natural to talk to I'm going to take another drink and then there's no right or wrong way to, to be relax. the center yeah, no. <laughs> we're not talking to each to, to an audience we're talking to each other yes right. the beginning was right. a little bit yeah. more stage You're but right. we're, we're going to dive into it and uh Okay, I will let you be you, and I, yeah, I will be me. Um, be you. So today we're going to be raising a glass to Tolkien. Something you can never take away. Very true. And uh, rather than just go right into the rings of power, I, I don't want this to be, uh, well... Personally, I, I don't like doing reactions and stuff, but I would I would 
much rather talk about Tolkien himself and most of his work before we talk about the show, if if we have time. Mm, good point. Yeah, you're right. We're not a uh, 10 out of 10, 9 out of 10 type podcast. Uh, we learned that last episode. Um, and, and I think yeah. that's really a good point. I don't, I don't like stars. I, I went through a period of time where I was, I was trying to do a book reviews, um, and have them in kind of a structured way. And I found out quickly that it's, it's really hard once you get, once a book clears a certain level of quality and coherence, it's really hard to kind of, to, to get, to put a number on it. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, and honestly, I don't think it's a very worthwhile question. I think a much more worthwhile question is, is why did I react this way to this thing? Why did it impact me this way? Yeah. Some of my favorite movies are the movies that, uh, the ranking wise, I would give terrible rankings, but in reality, (laughs) they're just movies that I'd go back to and recommend other people to watch. Um, sometimes because they're so bad, but sometimes also because of the the heartfelt aspects of them. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned Tolkien. Let's, let's dive in. Let's talk about Tolkien. Uh, I, I don't know when you were first introduced to Tolkien. I mean, what was your experience in Tolkien? Who, who is talking to you? Who are you to Tolkien? Um, <laughs> tell me, I want to know. That is, who am I to Tolkien? <laughs> who, who are we? Who are all of us compared to Tolkien? Really? But my my first experience with Tolkien was um, I went to a kind of uh, a granola uh, private school in Vermont. <laughs> um, I'm very glad I went there because I, I, it uh, helped establish a love for learning mm. uh, and reading was cool. Every, everyone at the school was always mm. reading something. And I uh, love that Lord of the Rings uh our, our teacher used to read to us at snack time. And so my earliest like concrete memory of Tolkien is listening to my teacher, uh, read the Hobbit. Um, and it was, it was, it's the Hobbit, you know, the first sentence is, you know, in a hole in the ground, there lived a Hobbit and that's all you need. And he has that little bit about the game of golf being invented mm. by one of the great, um, oh, what is it? What is this? One of the Proudfoots or something. What is his name? I forget. But he he lops off. Do the you know there was one to ha- have it so big he could ride a pony? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that story. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So that's, that's my first memory. And uh, of course, after The Hobbit, we went to Lord of the Rings, mm. um, which I I just remember being in school with my friend group, and we were all just all about Lord of the Rings. Um, my my friend and I had this imaginary game that we would play outside. Um, it was called Reign of Terror, um, but you know we we were fighting orcs and and there were dragons and stuff and as you do yeah i just i just wanted to be in that world and so i mean through my childhood i i I learned to love lord of the rings and um 
I think I, I still love it, but I love it in different ways. And I think mm. um, maybe deeper ways, but I, I want to hear your earliest contact. First contact. Yeah. First contact. Um, oh my goodness. I, as this, <laughs> this, uh, as we've gotten ready for this podcast, I have been getting more and more excited because I can't think of anything um, that I would rather talk about in terms of fantasy literature than Tolkien. Um, because, uh, Tolkien to me has meant, um, when I think of Tolkien, I think of family. Um, you, you brought up learning, uh, your first experience with the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings being in school. My first experience was, um, with Lord of the Rings when I was, you were between four and six or seven years old. Um, I have a couple older siblings and my dad uh, who grew up loving Lord of the Rings. Um, used to read it to us before we went to bed. Um, and my siblings are five and six years older than me. And so uh, and they weren't as interested in it as me. Um, and so I grew up um, with Tolkien, meaning um, relationship with my dad. Um, and I grew up in a house mm. where, and this didn't happen every year, but it happened enough years that in my mind, it's, it's a family tradition that I want to continue. Um, the, my dad, um, and mom have the Hobbit on, um, record player. <laughs> and I remember on multiple occasions, uh, on Christmas Eve or before Christmas, us as a family listening to the Hobbit on record player while we were baking cookies, uh, for, for Christmas. Um, what else? Uh, I mean, we're, we'll talk about it as we go through, but, um, Lord of the Rings came out of the movies while we were, um, growing up. And I think the first one came out in 2001. Um, and I was, eight years old, seven, eight years old. Um, my family went to the opening showing, uh, of every movie. Um, I, I grew up in a house where, um, when, when there were hard moments in my life and there were, there were many. Um, and when I had nightmares, I would want to watch Lord of the Rings and the fellowship of the ring or the two towers. Um, yeah. that opening melody of the Shire um i it's it feels like it's part of me and oh man i could go on i am going to go on uh different parts in this podcast and as we talk more about it did you have any of the action figures i did i had a i had a legolas and I had the the Chief Urukai uh, in um, uh, the first in the Fellowship of the Ring. Um, so the one with the the one that ends up killing yeah. uh, spoiler alert, killing Boromir. Um, I had I had so. that one too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, think I might have. I probably had Boromir too. I don't have any idea where they are anymore. Um, they're probably in a in a landfill somewhere. Um, sorry, environment. But those those were uh, the the gifts to give in my friend circle in school. Oh, 
um we would try to figure out like which action figure they didn't have yet because they were they were really detailed um and mm. they were really well done um mm-hmm. yeah and we just we love them so i had a i had a ring wraith and a galadriel Ooh. and nice um I had a Frodo and Sam uh, in mm. their disguise when they're in Mordor. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so they had like orc helmets and stuff. And mm-hmm. I used to stage these like dioramas in my room. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they weren't they weren't too impressive, but uh, I would just kind of make these scenarios. And Galadriel would be uh, hitting a ring rafe with, with her vase. Because uh, <laughs> they gave Galadriel things that are, yeah, things that were, <laughs> and some things which have not yet come to pass. <laughs> I uh, actually had uh, and still do. I'm, I'm in our in my attic right now. Uh, hundreds of Lord of the Rings cards. Ooh. I didn't. I don't know if you knew that Lord of the Rings cards were a thing. Um, but hmm. I had Lord of the Rings cards. I had Lord of the Rings chess set. Um, oh, which I am so sad yeah. I do not have anymore because it was epic. Um, played yeah. many a game of chess on that. And now, um, and I'm, I'm ashamed to say I haven't played them yet because I got them from Goodwill for like $3 each. I have Lord of the Rings chess and Lord of the Rings checkers. Nope. That's not, mm. Neither of those things were state, correct statements. I have Lord of the Rings Monopoly and Lord of the Rings Risk. Not Lord of the Rings chess oh, and checkers. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, uh, community. Didn't mean to, to lie there. Um, community <laughs> fellowship fellowship yes <laughs> yeah I uh, our imaginary fellowship <laughs> hey maybe someday we'll have one for each of the elven rings <laughs> oh, I had a I had a one ring Oh, did you? Yeah, I had a one ring on a chain. I actually, Um, I actually, I'm currently holding up a one ring uh, uh, bookmark um, that actually has a a piece that I braided on um, because I was super skilled with uh, uh, embroidery floss. So, in case anybody's wondering, Mm. definitely make those bracelets. Not the fancy ones that are like flat, just the circular ones. My sister was the skill. Uh, oh man uh hunter i i just showed you a couple of the things around me um i would love to tell you and show you and some of uh, our other uh, listeners um the other lord of the rings things i've gathered um <laughs> so i have like i said i was very excited about this episode uh, i have the lord of the rings trilogy in one um oh, of yeah. course this is this is a relatively new book um, nothing, nothing fancy. Probably from what is this? Um, yeah, nineteen ninety four. Uh, nothing, nothing too. You know, but before, before, uh, no, it's got. I have a more recent all in one volume. Yeah, I also have the um, Lord of the Rings uh, box set uh-huh. uh, with uh, Elijah Wood. Um, Oh yeah. Um. Oh my goodness! I can't see uh, the name. I who plays Legolas? Who plays oh, Legolas? Orlando Bloom. Orlando Bloom. Duh. And um, Vigo Mortensen. 
Yeah. Um, and then the and, and I have the Hobbit, but this is uh, not of any of the actors. Uh, this is Gandalf walking. Huh. Um, I also have a book that I got from my dad that I, he read. And now I have again, for whatever reason, it's Tolkien, the, uh, the Lost Road and other writings. I have not yet read this book. A little shame to hold it up. And then really, these are the, the couple couple things I'm really excited about. Um, one, I have a copy of The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King from my father. Um, uh-huh. I was just looking it up. Uh, sorry, you can hear the pages you know, rustle. Rustle. Rustle, that's it. From, and I kid you not, 1965 in front of me. Um, and then lastly, I have a wow. hardcover of The Silmarillion which I have read the first quarter of oh, multiple yeah. times and the last third, third three quarters of uh, no times. Um, sorry for those. Uh, or, you know, whatever. Uh, from 1977. Um, I have something else, but I'll, I'll show that a little bit later. Um, uh, I've actually a couple other things. So I, I would consider myself a huge Lord of the Rings fan. Um, I have the Blu-ray set upstairs. It was one of the first set of Blu-rays I got. Um, but a, a Lord of the Rings fan um, and a Tolkien fan in maybe a little bit different way than others. Um, the way I've learned my memory works, I don't memorize things. Um, so if you asked me like to quote a certain thing, um, I, I probably couldn't. Um, hear me say I, I've started the, the Silmarillion multiple times. I have not gotten all the way through it um, for a few different reasons. Um, it's just the way not the way my my mind works hmm. um i'm much more tied to the emotion of the thing um and that's 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 that for me is tolkien mm-hmm. um tolkien tells a story um and and tolkien told a story that that um, spoke to my dad hmm. um and so in many ways um the tolkien and lord of the rings and the hobbit are 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 pieces that for me convey the, the, the father son bond um, and are something that I'm excited to share with my son um, as he gets a little bit older. Um, you know, maybe not, you know, five months old, maybe a couple of years at least, but I, I went on a little bit longer. Um, I would love to hear a little bit more about your thoughts on what the writings of, of Tolkien mean to you. Uh, Hunter, you, you talked a little bit earlier about, um, your relationship with with Tolkien changing over time um and you said maybe i think you said deeper um or something like that yeah um i i I always loved Tolkien um as a as a little kid and and you know i've reread it a few times in my life and i guess when i was when i was a child i basically worshiped lord of the rings (laughs) um especially when the movies were coming out. Uh, you know, I, I, mm. I wanted to be an actor because I wanted to be Viggo Mortensen. Uh, <laughs> I thought it would be the coolest, the coolest thing in the world to have all of these people pay a bunch of money to dress you up, make you look like Aragorn, give you a sword and like, just, that's like every kid's, that was my dream when I was playing all of my pretend games, you know? Um, and I think as it, as it went on, I, I, I read the Silmarillion. I can't probably in high school sometime. Um, and I was just absorbed by his world. And whenever I, 
told people why I loved Lord of the Rings I, and why I loved Tolkien. I was like, oh, he created a whole world. He created languages, which, you know, I think, yes, there's the world building, which is beautiful and wonderful. And But I think like the most impressive thing are the languages because um, just as like an intellectual exercise to create a language, like learning a language is hard. Creating a language is... <laughs> something else and you know he himself they're not they're not like fully fleshed out languages he, did, he didn't wasn't able to invent like a full you know ten thousand word vocabulary but got further than uh, most people yeah he got he he sketched the you know the structure of the language and gave it rules and grammar and um and he was a philologist so he knew how to do that and he knew languages very well um that's the which, word Philologist. Yeah. Uh, sorry, for those of you uh, who listened to our last episode, philologist, that is the, the, the occupation of the primary character in uh, C.S. Lewis's space trilogy. Um, and so just a, a fun little tidbit there. So the, the joys of philology. Yes, love of language. But I, I think as I got older... Yes, I I still appreciate languages, and I think it 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 lends so much, such a consistency to the world building. But talking about the Lord of the Rings specifically, I really came to appreciate the story that he told in the trilogy, um, starting in the Hobbit and and coming to fruition in, in the trilogy of Frodo and the Ring. Um, because people often, when they talk about fantasy, they always recognize Tolkien. But usually they're talking about like, well, this this is a very kind of cliche example, but it's cliche because I've heard it so many times. They're talking about how gritty Game of Thrones is. Mm. And they're like, oh yeah, you know, Lord of the Rings was just about good versus evil. It was very black and white. And but Game of Thrones is all gray. It's, you know, it's more like human nature. And we might get into some of that when we talk about Rings of Power. But um, I always got annoyed. And I still get annoyed because mm -hmm. Tolkien has a lot of nuance in his story. You have kind of gray characters like Boromir, who um, does good and then also does bad. And then there's... Um, there's Gollum, which is the biggest his biggest example of of a great character because, you know, it's it's this struggle against temptation, and Frodo actually Fro Frodo isn't a chosen one. He he's a chosen one because he is not because he's a a normal person trying to live his life and he has this he sees this responsibility that, that he needs to take up and he takes the choice. He's not, he mm. doesn't good is evil is not defeated because good is so much stronger. In fact, Frodo actually, as far as he gets the ring, he fails. He fails to cast it into Mount doom. He just, he decides to keep the ring and it's only because Gollum is there only because mm. of this kind of stray chance of grace that the ring eventually falls into Mount Doom and is destroyed. Yeah. 
And I think that is a beautiful story. It's a beautiful plot. And I think it, it shows kind of Tolkien's own worldview. But I think it is also a great example of how the Lord of the Rings really has so much nuance in it. It's really not just a quote unquote black and white story, even though it has that element of good versus evil. Yeah. I, I love that. I, um, in order to get kind of prepared for this, I started rereading and I, I haven't quite finished yet because it's a long chapter. Um, what I think is one of the best chapters in all of uh, the trilogy. Um, and it is the council of Elrond. Um, I think that it is also one of the examples of why people, when they uh, have read a lot of contemporary fantasy and want to read more fantasy and decide to read Lord of the Rings, um, I think it's a good example of why they stop because it is not written um, like contemporary fantasy. It's not a um, you know, scrap morsels that you can devour um, and then jump on to the next piece. It's something that forces you to um, read slowly. It, it's something that drags together or pulls together these these pieces that have been working for years, decades, centuries. Um, and then it in, includes, and this is something that Tolkien does time and time again that I'm sure for too many people would be frustrating, but I love um, some beautiful poetry. Uh, and songs. And I'm just going to read this one little piece because um, I, I think it speaks a little bit to what you're saying, Hunter. Um, and it's actually, it was written by, um, in the story, it was written by Bilbo. Um, uh, here it is. All that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. The old that is strong does not wither. Deep roots are not reached by the frost. From the ashes a fire shall be woken, a light from the shadows shall spring, renewed shall be blade that was broken, the crownless again shall be king. I mean, oof. And that that gem, you know, that Silmaril is buried um in the beautiful dynamic mountain um that is the the story being told around it. Um, and, and it's something that's drawing together Boromir and Aragorn and Gloin and Legolas and Gandalf and Frodo and Elrond and so many characters um, into this one piece. Um, and, and then the story that's being told around it. Ah, it's just it's a it's a feast yeah and even today with all of the work that has been inspired with tolkien i you know went back and i started rereading some of the silmarillion and um there's there is really nothing like tolkien and i don't i don't think that there will be unless there is some philologist out there who <laughs> is totally immersed in myth and ancient, ancient sources, mm. because that's what Tolkien yeah. studied a lot. He wrote, he, he was a professor of language and he's, he studied old English and 
other languages and he was immersed in the world of um you know beowulf uh and kalevala i think which is like a oh, i was gonna talk about story. that i love that you got there before me yeah and um so that's what he was drawing from because it, it didn't spring from nothing you know he was drawing from this this ancient tradition of of history and i think that's what for me really makes Tolkien unique and what makes Lord of the Rings gives it so much weight because if if you've never gone back and read like an ancient myth or something I highly recommend it because it is like nothing else like a lot of times the things that endure endure for a reason and these this that feeling of of epicness is not something that you mm. get from from just shocking spectacle or pretty special effects or anything it's i don't know it's it's hard to put a finger on but when i read the lord of the rings and i read this these these ancient stories that have thousands and thousands of years um behind them is is the kind of feeling that i get um can I just, uh, this might be, you won't get this on any other podcast, but I'm going to read just a little bit <laughs> of Beowulf. Actually, I mean, you might get it on there, but I, I just wanted to read like a couple lines of Beowulf just to kind of make an attempt at trying trying to explain what I'm talking about. Go for it. Okay. The life and death of skilled Lo, the spear Dane's glory through splendid achievements. The folk king's former fame we have heard of. How princes displayed then their prowess in battle. Oft skilled the skeffing from scathers in numbers. From many a people their mead benches tore. Since first he found him friendless and wretched. The earl had had terror. Comfort he got for it, waxed neath the welkin, world honor gained, till all his neighbors o'er sea were compelled to bow to his bidding and bring him their tribute. Mm. Yeah, that tells a story into itself. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I want to I wanna kind of jump in with a little bit of the thing that I'm sure our listeners have already noticed. Um, one, yes, we're talking a little bit about Tolkien's life, um, but there are already movies and stories, and, I mean, there are interviews you can hear with Tolkien, um, as well as plenty, plenty of, of, uh, of literature out there about Tolkien's life. Um, his you know, friendship with C.S. Lewis, his faith, um, there's uh, we're we're not really gonna be talking, but we're not we haven't we've talked a little bit about that, but that's not the the goal of this. Um, you also have probably noticed. Um, I've noticed it. Um, we are both. Um, <clears throat> one might use the word fanboys of Tolkien. Um, which can be a problem, uh, especially since both of us are there. Um, that could uh, maybe prevent some of the uh beautiful uh combat that might be uh the case in other episodes more uh, clearly um but i think that 
Beautiful compound. That one of the beauties of this is that we get to, I mean, this is one of those things that brought the two of us together in our friendship. Um, and actually, that's one thing I wanted to, wanted to say uh, to you, Hunter, is, is happy anniversary. Um, because oh. it was about um, oh, 11 years ago today that we met. Um, 11 years ago, inclusive. So as of 2012. Um, yeah. Okay. It's about 11 yeah. years ago today, which is actually. Um, so we've known each other for 10 years. Uh, and that is somewhere around wow. this week. Um, maybe maybe uh, a week or two from now. I could I couldn't figure out the, for the specific date. Um, yeah, I don't. But we met in a, a cabin in the woods, uh, on a piece of land, <laughs> thirty minutes away, forty minutes away from the college we were both attending as freshmen. And there are lots I, of other uh, people around there too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. If I remember correctly, that might be a, another important date as far as people you've met. Yeah. Um, yeah, someone even someone near and dear to you, yes, someone near and dear to me, my (laughs) best, best friend. Mm. So, what the 10 years, isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's hard to, hard to, uh, grasp 10 years. I uh, I think in that past, in those ten years, uh, I have learned how to give space uh, through our mm-hmm. friendship. Um, like the fact that I just waited like five seconds before responding, <laughs> and I didn't even count how many seconds it was. I'm just doing it based yeah. off of how big I see the space being. That's uh, that's because of you. So, yeah, I have I've learned how to banter, <laughs> how to. Uh... <laughs> take things a little uh less heavy mm. oh i have i had something i want to say about that um not that specifically for you but i heard somebody say this week and it, it really it struck me and i i think it's uh i think it's one of the, the joys of why mary and pippin are in lord of the rings um this person was saying uh sometimes we just take ourselves too seriously um, and he was talking about that in relation to being kind of in emotional states and, and just in times we're just like, like we just take ourselves too seriously. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we got to remember that even when life is serious around us, like we don't need to take ourselves too seriously. Yeah. Sit back and have smoke a leaf of the old Toby. Blow a smoke ring. <laughs> and for those of you wondering, old Toby is not a euphemism for marijuana. It's a it is a leaf that they smoke in the Lord of the Rings. See, this is one of those pieces for why uh, I shared earlier the way my memory is not like a specific things. Um, Hunter's is much more along that state. Um, so uh, give me too much can... credit. <laughs> I, <laughs> I remember uh, I, I had this game that I played. It was, uh, it was Lord of the Rings, the third age on the GameCube. And it was like, oh, man. A, it was like basically Final Fantasy. Well, it was like turn-based combat, you know, 
uh, kind of like Final <laughs> Fantasy, but even more it, like pretty simplified a lot from Final Fantasy. Um, <gasps> yeah. And, and it was like a turn based kind of game where you followed in the tracks of the fellowship um, starting from the first movie all the way to the end. So you have a boss fight with Sauron at the end. Um, That's cool. Maybe even Gollum. I can't remember, but um, no, I think it was with Sauron. It was with the eye, but uh, there was one item called the leaf of old Toby uh, or like <laughs> the bag bag of old Toby. And it would restore your, your mana. Uh, your, so you could cast spells. Ah, so it was like stronger than Lambus bread. Yeah, well, uh, Lambus restored health. I think, mm. or if it was in there, I don't remember. But <laughs> oh man, uh, Hunter, I want to tell you a story here. Mm-hmm. I was helping my parents move in uh, to a new house um, this past weekend, and I saw a book of VHSs, and I'm just thinking about it now. Uh, one of those VHSs, uh, unless they threw it away, and I don't think they did, uh, includes uh, one of those good old taped over uh, type things um, of the sneak peek of the two towers that my family watched when it, like, watched the sneak peek, um, however many weeks or months before the movie came out um, we not only watched it together as a family we recorded it um, and i specifically remember uh, the scene that they show in it is of um it's when the um the people of rohan are fleeing to helm's deep and um aragorn and legolas uh and gimli um right ahead and, and they they notice the um the wargs the mm-hmm. warg writers out there um and legolas does that thing where he he grabs oh, yeah. onto one side mm-hmm. of the warg and he flips or of the horse and yep. he flips around <laughs> um and like that was the scene they showed um and like a little bit of the making behind that movie um and that was like a family event um yeah in my house i i think it is impossible to understate amount of hype that there was for lord of the rings for kids and they like hold us. up they do they yeah. hold up <clears throat> yeah I mean, was... because they they didn't lean on cgi they leaned on real like people and real settings and when they did the cgi they they were the ones um um peter jackson um and the and his cast like like they created the idea of Gollum, like the idea of uh, Andy Circus like doing the actions of Gollum while wearing a green suit and all of those different dots, like mm-hmm. to then have Gollum do that. Like he, they were the they were the first to do that, and it and it it holds up. It's not like, wow, that's the you know the newest cutting technology, but it, it's it's not something that you look at and cringe at, or even it's not even something you look at and like do a double take. It yeah, just feels natural. I mean, the effects are in service of the story. It's. uh you know, the, the point was not to wow people with the special effects. It was to bring Tolkien's world to life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and tell his story. Mm. Well, let me tell you how they did that. Howard Shore. Howard Shore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are a lot of great, there are a lot of great um, 
composers of, of film score, especially, and there, there are more famous ones, but Howard Shore. Um, may it be um, that song at the end of the fellowship. May it be the even star shines down upon you. I cannot tell you how many hundreds of times I've listened to that song. <laughs> like actually hundreds of times. In college, the Lord of the Rings soundtrack, uh, my freshman year, I mean, it's still on my iPod shuffle or my iPod touch upstairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it is you know, half of the songs on it are Lord of the Rings. And every night, every morning, like my alarm in, in college would be whatever came on and shuffle. And like 50% of the time, I was waking up to Howard Shore and and it just so happened that my freshman year roommate in college was also a huge Lord of the Rings fan. Um, that was one of the only things that we really connected on. He was an awesome guy. Great roommate. Um, probably a much better roommate than I was. Um, but we every morning would wake up to it. And there was at least one morning where I remember waking up and he had the same experience that morning. We probably woke up like 10 minutes after my alarm went off because I was playing Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and I remember waking up having just dreamed about Lord of the Rings and yeah. saying, yo, man, you, 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 uh, and then I realized my alarm went off and, and he also had had some type of memory of, of Lord of the Rings just because of the way it seeped into us. Yeah. Um, and so like, that's just, that's one of those things. It's, it's, I think Lord of the Rings was for us um, what Marvel is for so many um, kids growing up and maybe what Star Wars was for previous generations um, or, or maybe even more specifically what, the, what, what Harry Potter was for other people that are maybe around our, our age or the year, you know, a few years younger or older. Um, yeah. For the two of us, though, it was Lord of the Rings. I mean, it will always be Lord of the Rings. I sounds like a rom com. You had me at Nazgul. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> One thing I've not learned is is how to do puns. I've tried, and it just doesn't. I can't keep up. The Sam old story. Only I was wise enough. <laughs> you try. I like it. I tried. Well, so you sorry. You go. You go for it. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if this fits in. I have to cut it out. But what were we thinking about? Well, you were. You said, uh, um, you know how how Lord of the Rings is for us, what Marvel is for for people today, and my my reaction was. Hold on, it's more than Marvel for me. Um, just and and maybe that's just because <laughs> I don't understand how much people love Marvel. But I guess as I get older, I, you know, when I was younger, a lot of it was about the movies, or a lot of the love was kind of directed towards the movies. When I thought of Aragorn or Frodo, I thought of Elijah Wood and um, Vigo, but. I think as I've gotten older and kind of returned to reread some of the books and, you know, return to, to Tolkien's world, I'm coming back to Tolkien himself and his writing. 
Um, and I think that is a thing that will always last with me because there is only one name on my fantasy authors list. And that's Tolkien because I don't have room for any other names. Like to me, the, the comparison people try to make comparisons with George and Tolkien. And I just think they're very different in Tolkien was first. And, and I'm not trying to say that, that Tolkien is better, but I love him because of, of how he was so steeped in mythology. He, he wasn't just trying to tell a story about dragons mm. and, and good and evil and orcs and stuff. Um, he was, creating a world and I believe it's, it might be in an essay or a letter or something. Um, he mentioned that to, to create a fantasy world, you have to like discover it inside yourself. Hmm. And I was listening to like this interview um, in like the sixties with him and they asked him, you know, how long has you, have you been working on Lord of the Rings? And he says, well, I've always been working on it. Mm. And because I think, I think part of it is because I have tried to write a fantasy story. Um, and when you start trying to write, you realize that it's, it's not about the nuts and bolts of writing. It's not, you can't, you can't really design a perfect world. Mm. You can't design a perfect story. Finding a story and finding a world and find, finding characters is is like you uncover them in yourself. It's like doing archaeology inside of you. And I think Tolkien, more than any fantasy author, understood that and uh, discovered that. Um, but hey, that's a... It's a long tangent. No, I appreciate that. I, I think that that speaks, um, for those of you who don't know, um, Hunter is an author. Um, his uh, book's out there, Don Must Follow Night. Um, find it, Hunter Danson, D-A-N-S-I-N, on Amazon. Um, or find him on YouTube, um, Don Must Follow Night. Um, great book. Uh, sequels on its way out. Um, and so I, I, I really appreciate hearing your perspective on that as somebody who has published, um, written, um, who has uh, gone through the entire process with this and, and self-published. Um, I, I, I appreciate that. And, um, and you feel that I, I honestly think that your earlier statement of there can't be another Lord of the Rings is true. Um, and there can be a lot of more Marvels and that's part of the way that Marvel is set up. Um, but even my favorite fantasy series of all time, uh, which is not Lord of the Rings, um, was finished by a different author. And it could be. Um, uh, Lord of the Rings couldn't be finished by a different author. That's mm -hmm. why they're the unfinished tales. Um, and, and there are a lot of reasons behind that. And, and, um, uh, and I don't think it's just because Tolkien was a saint or uh, maybe, I don't even know if he was especially skilled, but I think he, along with, um, Many author, other fantasy authors of his day, um, and 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 I'm sure there are those out there nowadays. I just haven't spent as much time reading them yet. Um, 
wrote as an outpouring of the skill sets and hearts they had, like Frank Herbert or C.S. Lewis. I'm sure there are many others. Um, and and maybe my, my list is too old, too white, and too male. Um, and hopefully over time that will continue to grow um, as I'm introduced to more authors. Um, and as we talk about more. Ursula K. Le Guin. That's, that's a good name. Okay. Love it. Um, but yeah, I'm, instead of throwing myself uh, uh, too far under the bus, <laughs> I, I want to share a couple other pieces. Um, we still haven't talked about Rings of Power. Um, we will get there. Um, this might be just a little bit longer episode. Um, we will get there. <laughs> it's Lord of the Rings. We'll get there soon. So uh, yeah, well, this is if Tolkien. Anything not that even... deserves a little more time. Yeah, it's Tolkien. We might even have to do separate off, um, separate ones later on on some of the different Lord of the Rings. Uh, I just wanted to share a couple other things yeah. that were on my list of of um, interactions with Lord of the Rings and and Tolkien. Um, just I don't know a few more. Um, one, uh, I had a friend in college made me a speak friend and enter, uh, sign following the fellowship of the ring. Um, and so I had a, a sign on my door as a freshman, I think all the way through senior, I actually was looking for it so I could, uh, put it on my door today. Uh, I didn't find it in time. It said, men it all. Um, of course from the movies. Um, and I'm sure there are some true Tolkien fans out there that, um, hear this and they're saying, oh, that's not right from the, the book. So it's not the real thing. Um, and, and that's one of those things that's challenging because so much of this for me, um, so much of Tolkien is inter interrelated between books, movies, conversations, um, relationships. Um, I, I remember I, I multiple times I've, uh, in high school and college, like watched through all extended, extended, uh, movies together, uh, in a marathon. Um, my wife and I, um, I think while we were dating, engaged and married, um, read Lord of the Rings out loud, um, to each other, um, on our, on our long drives, I would spend time reading and she would drive, um, mm. and we worked through it. Um, I, I, in fact, even have a, a Lord of the Rings inspired tattoo, um, which, uh, might be too far. Um, I don't know. <laughs> um, and then I, I recently. Far. Not too far, okay. Not far enough. <laughs> uh, more to follow, maybe. Probably not. Um, as of a couple of years ago, um, more specifically, as of... No, it doesn't have the date on it. Sorry. As of a couple of years ago, I had a, a friend um, send me um, or give, give me a present um, that he had found um, with his wife while they were... Um, Exploring some of the uh, back alleys of the city they're in. Um, one might call it dumpster diving. Um, but they're exploring. Um, he sent me uh, these weird contraptions. Um, they're these little plastic uh, boxes um, that have little plastic boxes in them. And they, they make sound. Mm. Um, uh, in fact, he sent me the Lord of the Rings limited edition on Tolkien's 100th birthday in 1992, the J.R.R. Tolkien's classic trilogy produced by the mind's eye. And I'm just going to play for you the very beginning of the Fellowship of the Ring on cassette. I hope this works through. 
Radio 2000 presents The Lord of the Rings, Part 1, by J.R.R. Tolkien. And now, The Lord of the Rings, Part 1, A Long-Expected Party. Mr. Bilbo Baggins of Bag End announced that he would shortly be celebrating his 111st birthday. It is a treat. Um, I have made it uh, through the right towards the end of, of the two towers. It is not mm -hmm. a word for word retelling, um, as you can tell. Yeah. Um, but it is it is beautiful. There are voices. There are actors. There is music. Um, there is that beautiful a mind's eye introduction. <laughs> um, it is, it is a gem. Um, and yes, that was on an actual cassette tape. Um, that was my, uh, family's, uh, back from when I was growing up. Um, uh, so one day when my son hears this, uh, I will show you what it is. I'm sure at that point you will have your own, um, recorded, um, <laughs> videos on phones, uh, that will seem, of uh, absolutely no comparison to this uh, flimsy plastic device, but it's such a beautiful thing. What did you think of that? Did you did you see that one coming? Have you heard of that, Hunter? Have I have, I, have we talked about this? You sent that to me, yes, and it is magic. Hmm. Well, Hunter, we have hit that point in the uh, in our conversation. Um, I where I would like to hear your initial thoughts on the first two initial episodes of the rings of power. Um, as, as there will likely be many people that will be listening to this who have not seen the show. I don't want to dive too many, too much into the, the depths of it. Um, let's also remember it's the first two episodes of a show. It's, it's the, the introduction. Um, it's starting the story. Um, we'll see where it goes from here, but I would love to hear your thoughts. I'll then share my thoughts. We can have a little bit of banter about it and then we'll, uh, We'll let the uh, the story continue um, down some other hobbit hole uh, on some other day. Yeah. So I have I have emptied my glass, which I'm not sure what that signifies. About I've I've emptied a glass of beer for the Rings of Power for Tolkien. Um. But I think it does kind of signify my reaction because I, I wanted to like, I wanted to like it. Um, I came in wanting to like it. I love Tolkien. I love Lord of the Rings. I was cautious, cautiously optimistic because of the amount of money they spent on it. The trailers looked <laughs> okay. Um, But from the first monologue, I was, I just, I, I came away disappointed mm. because they went through, as far as I can tell where they are in the timeline, they went through about 200 pages of the Silmarillion in the first five minutes. Mm -hmm. And that means they went over 
um, <laughs> the beginning of the world, the whole mm. war with uh, Melkor and um, so much stuff. And Turin, the story of Turin, which I thought when I heard they were doing a show, I was like, oh, they're going to do the story of Turin, Turinbar, the, the children of Hurin. Um, and because of all the things in the, in like the Silmarillion, I feel like Turin's story is, it's kind of like a, like a Greek tragedy. Um, but it has a lot of narration and it's, it's fairly detailed compared to the rest of every, of the stuff. Mm -hmm. So if I thought they were doing a TV show, they could do that. And, and I personally really like the story of Turin. Um, it's, it is sad, uh, and it's a tragedy. Um, but I think that's partly why I like it because it's, um, it has that kind of weight of tragedy that, that some Greek tragedies do that you just, you really, you can't stop thinking about it. Um, hmm. and it has a dragon glow rung. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, he has a cool name. They call him Mormagil, the black sword, because he has this black sword and sword talks. And, but um, getting none of that. Uh, the dialogue about like light and dark and shadow and all of that was fine. But I don't recollect Tolkien ever writing that. And it's not that it's like totally against the spirit of what he wrote, but it's just, it, it doesn't, it, it didn't really do it for me. Um, yep. And also I think I tend to dislike spectacle for spectacle's sake. Mm -hmm. And the spectacle in this show. Oh, it's, I, I laughed out loud when you sent me after like the first 10 minutes, you were like, I think I just blinked. <laughs> <laughs> because that was the intro. And, yeah. you know, they're doing this like big dramatic monologue and over all this like incredible CGI and like they spent a billion dollars on this show. Um, Close to and, it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, no, really. Like I looked up the, uh, the the number that everyone has been saying is like on all five seasons, like a billion dollars, <laughs> over a billion dollars, literally. Um, <laughs> and but but you know they're doing this this big intro voiceover stuff, and I I just kept thinking about the intro to the Fellowship of the Ring mm. in the beginning, where it's just a black screen. <sighs> And then Galadriel says, Ye amar prestar ein. The world is changed. Han methona nen. I can feel it in the water. Han methona hai. I can feel it in the earth. Achanostonet. I can smell it in the air. And then it's just like, that is so much more powerful than these like, I don't know, $300 million CGI effects. And I, I wanted to like it. I really did. And there were moments and performances that I liked. I, 
I feel like I have to say this because it's like a buzz buzz topic. <laughs> I actually, I, I don't care. I, I think the dumbest criticism you can make is having elves of color and people of color in, in Lord mm. of the Rings. Like I mm -hmm. think, I think the, the play Hamilton proved that it really doesn't, it, it, it's fine. And of all of the portrayals of elves, I actually liked Erendir the most. I liked his actor. I thought his portrayal of an elf, I believed him the most hmm. because and except like maybe Galadriel, I, I liked Galadriel. I thought Galadriel was good, but I, yeah. when I saw Elrond and e even when I saw Galadriel's brother for the first time, I was like, why does he look like a pop star? <laughs> and I, I, <laughs> why does his hair look like Harry Styles? Or I don't know. It was just like, you said that. I think that was actually a word for word. I couldn't get over it, but, and, and I tried, I really tried, but it just, now for, I can understand why, but we'll get your perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I agree with, with a good amount of what you said, um, as far as the spectacle and, and maybe the impact of it. Um, and my favorite part of, the Silmarillion and I have not finished the Silmarillion yet I've shared that a few times I've started many multiple times um, but the first few pages are just I love because the first few pages are pure theology uh, if you if you've read the Silmarillion and you don't think theology then um, pick up a Bible um, just start reading <laughs> um, read some of Romans I'd recommend Mythical theology um, yeah. some Genesis um, it is just it is beautiful oh my goodness this idea of music singing the world and the creation and the addition of dissonance i mean we're both musicians uh that definitely impacts me a lot um i was sad that they didn't they didn't dive into that um and maybe they will as the show goes on but i expected and and i had heard before the show started and so um it's not the type of show that you watch with the Silmarillion in hand. Um, and part of that I, I've, I've heard is because they're going to be bringing together stories that are told multiple thousands of years apart into the same time period for the sake of being able to tell the stories. Um, but what mattered to me when watching this show, because um, I knew regardless of whether I like it or not, I will watch it, um, partially because it's Lord of the Rings based, you know, it's Tolkien based. Um, but partially because I just know it's spectacular. Um, and it is, it is, it's spectacular. There's nothing, there's nobody could make an argument that it's not spectacular to watch. Um, but for me, what mattered was that they captured the spirit of Tolkien in the way the story is told. Um, and I'm sure there are many points where the spirit of Tolkien are not captured in the show. Um, as I'm sure was true of the movies too. But the telling of the story, I, I, what I will give this, this show, um, and it's been getting a lot of flack, and I can't tell how much of that is just people trying to jump on a bandwagon and be obnoxious and you know, Elon Musk being Elon Musk. Um, but I felt like... Elon I, Musk? Yeah, yeah. He's got all sorts of things about... Uh, Why do people yeah. care about what Elon Musk thinks about... Right? Great question. Uh, why? Did, yeah, good, good question. Um, 
Lord of the Rings X. SpaceX. <laughs> he wants to put it on his Tesla that he launches. Mm-hmm. Hello, Tesla R. Um, but for me, what matters is that, and I think that this show captured it, is if you took a screenshot and paused it at any point, um, you would feel like you were, in comparison to other shows and movies, experiencing Tolkien. And what I mean by that is, at any point when I pause it, whether it be a, a climactic battle or calm scene, and partially because of the vast um, Tolkien's way of pushing those two things together, like intensity and then calm, and then the calm telling the intensity, um, I did not feel like at any point, whereas I watching something George R. R. Martin based something Robert Jordan based, something J.K. Rowling based, um, something C.S. Lewis based. Um, yes, there were similarities because they're fantasy. Um, but at any point, I, if I pause it, I'd be like, yeah, this is, this is Tolkien. Um, and part of it was in the way they um, chose to focus on good and evil part of it was in the way that they focused on the internal struggles of characters um because that's one thing tolkien does so much um that internal struggle um part of it was just in the beauty of the surroundings and letting silence be silence and i think tolkien does that um it's it's hard to master silence in a in a written work um but the way that tolkien tells his stories involves a pace you're not going to speed through them you can't run through lord of the rings like you could run through other fantasy series and the poetry is there yeah and and i think that many aspects of this this first two episodes and again it's it's starting to build a world um i think many of the many aspects of these episodes um, regardless of whether we were talking with elves, humans, halflings, dwarves, wizards, um, like involved and pushed time to reflect and time to be quiet. Hmm. I want to share this quote from it's from this um, uh, letter by J.R by Tolkien to Milton Waldman, who I think was involved in like the publishing. And it's, it's about the, you know, why Tolkien felt Tolkien actually felt that a lot of the content in the Silmarillion should be, it should be thought of as integral, integrally connected to the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings. Um, more than just like a prequel or something like that. Um, But so he kind of summarizes the first, second, third ages. Um, And I thought this was a kind of an ironic quote, considering that the rings of power is set during the second age. Um, Because Tolkien says uh, the next cycle deals or would deal with the second age. But it is on earth a dark age, 
and not very much of its history is or need be told. And (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying that the show shouldn't exist, but I just question the extravagance and the amount of time that they spent on characters who Tolkien didn't write. And I don't know. I mean, we'll see how they connect with yeah, yeah, we will the rest of you know throughout the season. But um, I mean, a large part of it, I'm just kind of bummed. I'm really bummed that we're not getting any Turin. Um, <laughs> but I mean, they they showed the sword. We might, which might be. But the thing that I was confused about too was they they make a big deal out of how peaceful everything is. And Gilgalad's obsessed with this peace. But as far as I can tell, it's not, it's not really a thing in Silmarillion and, or in any of Tolkien's writings, like, uh, Melkor is defeated. And after he's defeated, he is, um, well, he's banished from the physical realm. And then Sauron kind of stays in Middle Earth and he uh, kind of hides in Mordor. Um, it, he Originally, he kind of swears that he won't do wrong again. You know, he won't follow Melkor, he won't be evil. Um, but then he kind of hides away and, and goes back on that. And that's where you get the kind of the forging of the Rings of Power. Because he is in a, is able to take a fair form hmm. and tries to trick the mm-hmm. elves and the dwarves and the men and with the rings, um, and it's called the Rings of Power. So I'm guessing that it will be part of that. But I was confused because they set Sauron up as like the main enemy of the elves. Yeah, the big bad. Yeah, in in the Silmarillion, he he actually walks among the elves and helps them forge the rings and tricks them with the one ring. Um, and so I was kind of confused how that fits into the timeline. And so one of the things I, I think that I'm hearing you say um, is kind of a push against this idea of using the word peace. Like that, you know, it's, there really weren't times of peace. Um, maybe that's not what you're saying, but I think that, from the perspective of the elves that they're telling themselves and trying to tell others there's a time of peace when in reality what's actually going on beyond the scenes from especially with Sauron um, is it's it's a time of pause um, and regrouping and the the impact that that can have Um, and you know Galadriel's character talks about that a few times and and her character is is maybe more motivated by war than vengeance than um, feels appropriate. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, it's just trying to find. Hunter, I've got a quote for you. Um, as you're looking for a quote, um, this is a quote. Uh, I was reading an article this this week a friend sent me from The Dispatch. It's called It's Time to Remember Tolkien. The Shadow is a Small and Passing Thing by David French. 
um, and talks about Tolkien and it talks about um, George R. R. Martin. But uh, the the piece that I'm going to quote from it is actually uh, just a quote from from Lord of the Rings, and I, uh, it's on shadows and light. So this is written from Sam's perspective while he and Frodo struggle, hopeless, through the heart of Mordor on their fool's errand to destroy the ring. There, peeping among the cloud rack, above a dark tor high up in the mountains, Sam saw a white star twinkle for a while. The beauty of it smote his heart as he looked up out of the forsaken land, and hope returned to him. For like a shaft, clear and cold, the thought pierced him that in the end the shadow was only a small and passing thing. There was light and high beauty forever beyond its reach. That to me is Tolkien, um, or a large part of Tolkien. Um, and let's be honest, Sam is probably the wisest um, or second wisest character in all of Tolkien's writings. Um, and and his way of understanding that, um, that shadow and light. It just, mm. it's, it warms me. <laughs> What do you have for me, Hunter? Well, I was sent that article as well. Uh, and I mean, it's it's kind of about the like cultural moment in TV where you have House of Dragon versus Rings of Power and I've, as you can tell about the way I ramble, I'm still kind of confused about this whole, how to articulate what I'm feeling. Um, because I think our reaction to TV, TV especially, I think, <clears throat> is to almost immediately turn it into a cultural conversation mm. about uh current events and it's it's not that it's not that you can't apply Tolkien to current events and cultural moments but that was not Tolkien's goal and when I was reading that article I felt that it was um it was more about current events than it was about Tolkien and George R. R. Martin. And I don't want to talk too much about article, the article, but I came across this quote by Tolkien, which is, I think, fairly well known. It's about allegory and, and what he thinks about allegory. And he says, I dislike allegory, the conscious and intentional allegory. Yet any attempt to explain the purport of myth or fairy tale must use allegorical language. And, of course, the more life a story has, the more readily will it be susceptible of allegorical interpretations. 
While the better a deliberate allegory is made, the more nearly will it be acceptable just as a story. And I think this, it, it gets at this sort of confusion that I feel when I, when I see or hear Tolkien talked about um, as, as sort of like, because you have to use allegorical language. You have to, you have to say, well, he's talking about good and evil. Um, he's um, showing his Catholic Roman Catholic worldview. Um, and he's giving us this picture of the world that yes, there's evil, but good will triumph in the end. And um, but if you think about like myths, which I think is a is the genre that that Tolkien really kind of is closest to. Um, myths are not meant to be, in my opinion, I guess myths are not meant to be applied and. Um, they're not meant to, you know, make allegories to what's happening right now at this time. Myths are meant to be remembered. And uh, it's, it's not that they're like, like Orpheus and Eurydice where Orpheus goes into underworld to rescue Eurydice. Uh, and Hades says that he can take Eurydice out of the underworld as long as he doesn't look back. Eurydice has to walk behind him. He can't see or hear her. And it's, you know, they have to walk out of Hades. And as long as Orpheus doesn't look back, he'll make it out. But just at the end, when he's closest to reaching his goal, he looks back. And, um, you know, a lot of people's reaction will be, well, why did he look back? Why didn't he just keep walking? That's a plot hole. That's, that's not the point, though. The point is that, I mean, there's a lot of different points you can make, but I think the one that I think of the most is that it's kind of a... And this is the language of allegory that I'm talking about. It is a symbol of, of human frailty in that we often look back. We often make mistakes that we know that we shouldn't, but we do it anyway. Hmm. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of other things to say about it, but myths are kind of like, they're mysterious. You know, there's, I think when you're talking about a myth talking about Tolkien it's kind of a point and and one of the reasons that I love it so much is that it's not really meant to be understood it confronts mystery and uh mortality and when I read Tolkien I feel a sense of awe that I don't really get uh anywhere else um and and not a lot of other stuff and that's what you get from this. Uh, sorry, you finish. 
No, I'm sorry. I was just going to apologize for my long tangents, but I guess the whole point of a co- podcast is to have tangents. I was about to say, that's one of the things you'll get from uh, from uh, Razor Glass is, <laughs> is many uh, mundane stories turned into uh, deeply introspective thoughts and uh, communications on the world around us, even when the communication around the world about the world around us is that the s- communication about the world around us being used from a show should not actually be used to communicate about the world around us. Did I get that one right? Yeah, this sentence is false. <laughs> Uh, well, Hunter, I have really enjoyed having this conversation with you. I, um, I think it's a good example of of the conversations we have. Um, I think there might have been less um, disagreement than in other conversations we have, uh, <laughs> and and it makes me more excited to talk about. Um, whatever we decide to talk about next uh, together, because I appreciate your thoughts always. Um, it sounded like you would not uh, raise a glass to the show yet. Um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to drink my... a glass. For this show. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to let mine, um, <laughs> my thoughts be kind of held back until I see more of it. Um, I, I hope the show continues in the, the feel of Tolkien. Um, even if the story doesn't tell a Tolkien story, um, and, and who knows what characters we'll meet along the way. Um, hopefully we'll meet many exciting ones. Um, and hopefully there'll be many moments where, um, people are astounded, um, by the, endurance and the strength of characters that are seen to be weak and are seen to be of of little value Um, because I think Tolkien does a great job um, of lifting up the least of these continually Um, and and maybe that's something that we can work on doing in our lives as well I agree well Hunter um do you have an idea of what we're going to talk about next week? I have no idea. Um, I had I have an idea that I wanted to bring up to you, um, okay. if you're willing to, to hear it out. Yeah. This doesn't have to be what we decide upon, um, but I thought it might be interesting to do an introduction to Russian literature next week, um, where Ooh. we might not talk deeply about a lot of different... Um, um, works, um, but uh, I, I, I would love to do that. I, I, I have a few reasons yeah. why. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah. Um. I, I, I don't think I would consider myself well read enough to to do like introduction to Russian literature, but I do Good love point. Dostoevsky and Tolstoy. Uh, and I've read both of them. Um, and I've read a Solzhenitsyn book, but, uh, I would be, I would love to talk about those, especially Dostoevsky. 
um, or Tolstoy. But well, I'm going to send you a, a maybe a short story or two that that I read in college, and and part of the reason I'm thinking about this is um, my Russian lit professor in college just recently passed away, um, mm-hmm. and and I found this out relatively recently, and I only took one course with him, um, but it was a course that introduced me to Russian literature. Uh, which I know that you have introduced yourself to in the last few years. Um, And it is its own literature unto itself. I also do not feel anywhere near qualified to speak um, to the the genre as a whole. Um, And I'm sure there are many, many sub-genres within it. Um, But there are are a few, um, and I say short stories because we can, um, maybe as as we go on, um, and as I finally, uh, at some point in the next couple of years, finish War and Peace, um, and uh, we can talk about some of these other major works that have defined um, not just Russian literature, but literature. Um, and maybe we can, you know, lead from that and talk about musicals and talk about um, some other pieces. But uh, there's a couple short stories that I I I remember reading in his course, um, in his class that uh, both made me laugh and made me think. Um, and might be a couple like you know helpful starting places for us. Yeah. Um, would you, would you be interested in that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I adore Dostoevsky and Tolstoy. I I've been feeling the itch to read some Dostoevsky again, even though I'm already reading like five different books at the same <laughs> time. I'm just like, just one. I need some Dostoevsky in my life. In my life. Um, again. Perfect. Well, uh, would you be okay if I close this out today? Yeah. Well, I had some Elvish that I oh, thought could go for it. Please close us. Um, and it is Ellen Sala Lumen Omentielvo. A star shines on the hour of our meeting. Hmm apologize for my pronunciation <laughs> no i love it and i i don't know enough to uh, correct you um so as we as we head out today i know last week we were listening to some music that uh hunter wrote and we played together um i want to i want to just leave you with some of the the beautiful introduction to the fellowship of the ring as recorded um by the mind's eye oh, magnificence there was much talk and excitement in Hobbiton. Bilbo was very rich and very peculiar and had been the wonder of the Shire for 60 years, ever since his remarkable disappearance and unexpected return. The riches he had brought back from his travels had now become a local...